begin transmission. Hello, everybody. It's Chris joined by Milton and Ben for episode number 77 of Outer Rim Transmission, your weekly source for the latest Star Wars breakdowns, news, and much more. It's Andor season, everybody. We've broke down the premiere of three episodes last week. We are talking about episode four tonight in all of its glory. That's Aldani or Aldani, whatever, however you want to pronounce it. On this episode, we get the triumphant return of Coruscant in live action. We get Mon Mothma's return to live action Star Wars. We also get to see what's going on with Seal Karn and his disillusionment from the Corpos. And what is going on with this brand new cell that Cassian is being inserted into. We're going to talk about that and what else is new in the world of Star Wars tonight. Of course, as we usually start it off, we talk about... Our week in Star Wars, our experiences with Star Wars. I'll throw this one to Ben. Yeah. Well, guys, um, I didn't... For me, this week in Star Wars, it wasn't a... I would say a very eventful week. Like, nothing too crazy went on. Um, you know, there's some excitement with some of the news we're going to discuss tonight on um, potential stories and things like that. But, like, nothing in, like, the normal... Like, out of the norm, I would say. It was more of, like, the normal week in Star Wars, you know, talking Star Wars with you guys, talking Star Wars with friends or other people online for that matter. And, you know, just more of, I would say, the uh, the social aspect of Star Wars was pretty much my week, you know, just communicating and talking with other uh, other Star Wars fans, really. Yeah, yeah, there's nothing wrong with that. Like I said, uh, it's kind of uh, outside of Andor, there's not much going on um, besides just like the social commentary on different episodes and people getting excited and different things like that. Uh, lots of Easter egg uh, things I was seeing on Twitter, uh, which is funny because Grace Randolph literally said this show's not going to work because there's no Easter eggs. And, and, and all of us on the internet are looking at her like, um, this has some of the best insertion of Easter eggs in all of Star Wars so far, in my opinion. Um, and we'll get all into that. So I, I had a lot of fun just kind of piling on um, with some of these people because it's like, no, we heard all this stuff about Easter eggs. We're going to be in the show and we're getting some of the largest Easter eggs in Star Wars canon, period. Um, what about you, villain? Oh, uh, no, I had a good week in Star Wars. Uh, I would mainly say last Saturday, like oh. I mentioned, I finally got to watch Empire Strikes Back with my friend who's gotten into Star Wars. And actually, she has a little nephew that's really into Star Wars. So but her and I watched that movie together. And I will say this is her assessment. She liked it better than A New Hope. I wouldn't say better, but a lot more than A New Hope, as I expected. Han Solo was her favorite character. She loved his story. Uh, she felt it was very much a Han Solo movie. Now, I yeah. have to agree with her in certain aspects of it. Um, and then she said that she liked the overall like story of Empire, but she said her only regret that she wished she didn't know about Vader already being Luke's dad. Spoilers. Because, ah. you know, like, who doesn't know that nowadays? And I've, I've, been, I've been trying to punk her for a couple weeks now <laughs> and saying, like, no, Anakin's his father. Like, Darth Vader's not his dad. No, but she knew, but she, I think I think even her reaction, she still was like kind of like taken back a bit um, because of how the story played out. So she really enjoyed that one. So you're looking forward to watching Return of the Jedi whenever that time comes. Yeah, Return of the Jedi, the best of the original trilogy. So we'll see if she holds it. Wait, wait, wait. We, we might have to fight on that one. But okay. <laughs> yeah. No, no. no I, I, here's, the here's the thing. We, we can get into that in another podcast, obviously. But <laughs> Jedi, Jedi, honestly, as a kid, I will say, as a child, Jedi was my favorite at one point. 
you know, because Jedi was that very hopeful movie and Luke was, you know, badass. As an adult, I think as I got more appreciative of the movies, Empire just always connected with as I got older. Yeah, I, I, well, let me phrase it this way. Empire is, like, from a production standpoint and a creative standpoint, the better movie. But oh, from sure. a favorite movie perspective, I think it still, yeah, for favorite, me, goes favorite. on to, like, Return oh, of the yeah. Jedi. Cause, cause, <laughs> oh, yeah. Okay, there are a lot so, of elements about that film that are, like, oh, it's very, like, oh, I love that part. I love that part. That's dope. Like, I love a lot of the Luke stuff in that movie. Mm-hmm. And, and, and actually, and actually, while I was trying to tell her, I said to her, I was like, you know, for a lot of trilogies, I'm like, how great Empire is. I'm like, you now hear people say, oh, that's the empire of that trilogy. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. She's, she's, like, she's, like, what is, she's like, what does that mean? And I explained it to her. I'm like, <laughs> it's that good of a movie where people, mm-hmm. like, Empire took you to another level of storytelling. Like, the Dark Knight is the empire of the Dark Knight trilogy. Mm-hmm. You know, like, mm-hmm. that's how, now people are probably going to say, no, that's the Dark Knight version, you know, whatever, you know, of that particular trilogy. So that's how good these second movies are. Yeah, and... and- and equating this whole justification and and concept is going to apply for me later on in tonight's episode when we're talking about Andor, because I have a few things to say about that that I've already spoken to Ben about, and I've been chopping at the bit to get into this conversation via voice and not text, because this is going to be a fun one today, guys. I can already tell. Um, but before we get to that one, I will talk about my... My week at Star Wars, I have been revisiting the audio drama, the first canon audio drama for Star Wars, uh, Dooku Jedi Lost. And it's the whole storytelling of Dooku with his time basically leaving the Jedi Order. Um, It doesn't really get into him becoming a Sith, but it does get him into reclaiming his family title on Sereno of Count and why he goes through that. And the reason I'm doing that is because in literally under a month, we are getting the six-episode anthology of Tales of the Jedi, in which three of those episodes are going to focus on a younger Dooku with with, um, Qui-Gon. So I wanted to kind of refresh my memory, um, see if there's going to be any kind of parallel storyline going with that Tales of the Jedi. Um, But the the Count Dooku audio drama is great because it's going to actually not only flesh out Count Dooku, but it gives you like the entire backstory of Asajj Ventress. So what it is... From a standpoint, it's really a good idea of how Kevin Scott actually wrote this thing um, because there's a lot of inner monologues that are coming from like recordings of Dooku, like talking about his uh, come up in the Jedi Order. So you have Asaz Ventress is basically um, doing a mission for Count Dooku in which she finds all these data recordings. So she's like just sitting back, finding out these recordings, and then also exploring her own past where she comes from, Rat Attack, and her. Her, how she was stolen and basically used as a slave, and then she was reclaimed by a Jedi who then was killed, and then that's how she gets found by Dooku in the arena. So a lot of it does actually canonize the Genti Tarkovsky Clone Wars series in which we find her in that arena. So there's a lot of cool stuff there, but it does start from Dooku as an initiate in the Jedi Order and how he finds his family and, you know, how Jedi can't have familial connection so it's really deep really cool and one thing i found out that was really neat is the whole fact that there is so much high republic lore that now i'm catching up on because this was set in i gotta say this probably came out in 2018 and high republic didn't come out until like 2020 or something like that so like you could see all the seeds that kevin scott who's one of the architects of high republic like uh things like the nameless were mentioned which are like the big bad force sucking creatures of the high republic and then one of the ships the ataraxia was 
confirmed and then the whole thing with this bogan collection and this one jedi that basically turns into a all this stuff that was seeded so far back it's like damn they were really thinking about this thing ahead of time um so i had a lot of fun there and then i also put up my uh reviews of the first two high republic phase uh two books path of deceit and um so so you can check those out on the channel now um but yeah, I definitely tell you guys. I would definitely tell you guys to go back and watch, or, or li rather, listen to uh, the Dooku Jedi Lost audio drama. And I wasn't blanking on name. Yeah, I kind of was. Quest for the Hidden City. That's the other High Republic <laughs> book. I did not want to leave that one out. That one's written by George Mann. Path of the Sea is written by Tessin Grant. Uh, Grant and. Um, Justine Ireland. So there you go. Those uh, those books are coming out soon. Um, but anyway, yeah, I would strongly recommend it. I know you guys love listening to the audio stuff, so you can't recommend that one enough. I mean, I'll hey, take now, I... Go ahead, Ben. Oh, go ahead. Oh, I was going to say that, um, you know, that's... It's good that it's, um, it's about Dooku, you know. I mean, obviously it's about Dooku, but, you know, it's kind of fitting with Tales of the Jedi coming up. Yeah, I, I mean, I will say, again, we'll get into the show later, but, like, I am looking forward to Tales of the Jedi, mainly because of the, it's the animation of Clone Wars, obviously, and how it looks. Um, and I feel like Dooku's one of those characters that we still don't know enough about. Uh, I know we got glimpses of him in, like, books and comics here or there, but I'm really interested to see how they're going to flesh him out in that animated series. But, yeah, I'll definitely check out that, draw that audiobook eventually. Yeah, it does feel very Legends-esque, I gotta say. I think you guys are really gonna get a kick out of it. There's some really dark stuff that happens. A lot of it is on Coruscant. You know, you hear a lot from Yoda, but there's a lot of cool stuff that goes on. You know, it predates the Clone Wars and all. So it's it's always a nice uh, kind of glimpse at the galaxy before, like, all-out war. And, like, the different missions the Jedi are going on, and there's these different dark side artifacts that they're tracking down and uh, one of the masters is like skirting with like collecting these things but like there's sifo ds that's having visions of the future it's it's pretty freaking awesome so go ahead check that one out and a little bit of housekeeping off the top as we usually do if you are listening to this on your podcast streaming network of choice we are also on youtube every friday well except for next friday which i'll get into in a minute um every friday at nine o'clock uh, PM Eastern time. We are going live. You can join us in the discussion in a chat room on YouTube, youtube.com slash star Raptor. And of course, as I mentioned, you could listen to us on any podcast streaming network of your choice. Just search outer rim transmission. As I alluded to just a moment ago, yes, I will not be on the podcast. There will be no podcast next week for good reason. And that's because I'll be in, uh, New York for New York comic con, the annual convention, the four day convention runs October 6th through the 9th. And there's going to be a Star Wars presence. Um, there's three separate things I'm looking forward to. Um, the first one is going to be the Higher Public Returns panel. So I'm very excited for that. Uh, that will take place on Saturday at, at Saturday at 3.15 in room 406.3. Then on Sunday, we have two big panels. Sunday, we have Star Wars Stories from a Galaxy Far, Far Away. That's at 10.30 a.m. 
that's in room 406.2. That one's going to be basically about all your other catch-all Star Wars uh, things being created in the books and comics. So I'm sure they'll be talking about all the mainline Marvel comics, and uh, maybe they'll talk a little bit about that Jedi Survivor book, and I'm sure they'll probably reveal a book or two there. And then on Sunday, a big actor from Star Wars, Oscar Isaac Poe Dameron himself, is doing a panel at 12.15 on the Empire stage. So you can catch that. And I'm pretty sure the Oscar Isaac panel will be streamed. So even you guys could check it out. Um, I think oh, it's a nice. pop verse or something like that. They're going to live stream um, a lot of the panels from New York Comic Con for free, too, for free. So just, just try to look that up. Uh, I'm sure on Twitter, if you're on there, there will be a lot of people just sharing all these other panels and uh, go go check it out. So yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. I know a couple of our viewers um, will also be there, uh, a couple of our listeners, so it's going to be fun catching up catching up with everybody. I know there's a Star Wars costume meetup on Saturday at 2 o'clock, so if anybody's going to New York Comic Con, um, it's pretty cool. They have like the big, uh, big like 100 plus person costume picture thing that that was that was a lot of fun last year linking up with these mandalorian people that that get the thing organized um but yeah it's uh, the annual thing so of course i won't be here next weekend so uh don't look for a podcast next week i'm gonna see what i could do on the channel maybe do some shorts because apparently that's a very viable thing on youtube now is youtube starting a pump more money into that avenue so i might be experimenting getting you guys some more up-to-date coverage than i used to in years past with uh short like 60 minute reviews and stuff of that nature if I, as long as i have the internet as long as the internet is working on my side i will try to do stuff from the place we will see i don't want to promise anything um because I am going to be in costume all four days, so it's not exactly easy to do some of this content stuff. I'm taking more of a backseat this year. I say that now, but I'm bringing my stuff just in case. But uh, yeah, um, I will send pictures on social media of who I will be. Uh, a couple of the costumes are already ones I've worn before, but I have uh, a costume that I don't want to talk about because I think people are really going to enjoy this one on Thursday. It's more of a laid-back day. It's my shopping day, so... I'm going to make a more of a casual kind of costume, which uh, at least I think it's going to be a good uh, good idea. We'll see if anybody else does, <laughs> but I'm uh, I'm looking forward to it. Maybe one of these years you guys will be able to make it out because it is one of the better conventions out there. As, as nerve-wracking as it is to get in these panels anymore, which are a real pain in the ass, let, my, let me say, um, they don't do a lottery anymore. It's like a first come, first serve. You have to be on the app at 12 o'clock to like get in, and then there's a big-ass line, and there's a glitches, and you can get kicked out, then you won't get any any panels. So anyway, hopefully Reed Pop listens to what they did for Star Wars Celebration. Just make it a lottery. Just give yourself a chance to get in these things so you don't have to be on your computer in the middle of a work day <laughs> doing this crap, because not everybody can do that. But anyway, I digress. I digress. So I'm looking forward to... Thursday through Sunday next week. Hopefully, we'll have some cool Star Wars news to talk about on the following show. Chris, the question is: uh, Are you? Is it you and the girlfriend going together? Mm, yep. You guys, you gonna wear matching outfits? Nope. <laughs> okay. I thought you did that one year. You went to something. You had like both both of it helmets or something. Oh, that was. Um... She was borrowing my Mando helmet. Yeah, I had okay. her walking, mm. walking down the street. But uh, that was at uh, Fan Expo Philly. Um, okay. Yeah, so that nice. was that was fun. No, no, she's 
She's been um, a DC character, a Marvel character, a Tim Burton character, and a Stranger Things character. Okay. <laughs> so she is all these nice. different fandoms. I'm basically sticking to Star Wars. <laughs> gotcha. <clears throat> that works. So, it works. It works. Um, we have basically one main story we're going to get into quickly tonight. And then we're going to just spend the rest of the day talking, or not the day, rest of tonight just talking mainly about this episode for, for Andor. Uh, this comes to us from Tom Henderson, who is a well-known uh, leaker or whatever you want to call them, informant, whatever. He is saying he's heard some rumblings about, you know, Disney wants a new Star Wars game every six months. And, I mean, this sort of tracks. They want to have a AAA, meaning like a big game like Jedi Order coming out. But they also want to have a small game that could be, for instance, like Star Wars Squadrons or maybe like Star Wars Hunters. So, I mean, this next year, 2023, that'll easily happen. We'll have Hunters. We'll have Jedi Survivor. The next couple years, I don't know. That might get kind of weird because some games like Eclipse and Ubisoft and whatever Respawn is also working on those games seem further out. But... I mean, yeah, it's kind of like a story, but also a non-story because it's like nothing's really tantalizing. It's like, yeah, Disney yeah. wants this to happen. Whether it will happen is up in the air. But I mean, it's a nice thought to have because you go back to the Lucas Arts days and they were basically doing this. I remember a new Star Wars game coming out like two, three times a year. I don't know about you guys, but like I, I've, I've pretty much remember that happening a lot. Yeah, the difference yeah, is. I... Oh, go ahead, Ben. Oh, yeah, I was going to say, I think um, the thing with this whole uh, situation, or this whole report, let's say, let's take it for pure truth. I think it's the good, a really good thing for Star Wars, even if, let's say, the games, I don't know, I don't want to say turn out to not be, like, the best games ever, but it's kind of like what we talked about before in prior podcasts, like, you know at least games are coming out. So if there's one you don't like, you can just move on to the next. But my thing with it is this sounds like really, really ambitious for, especially for Lucasfilm with all their, or Star Wars in general for all their like delays and things. So like me, it's kind of like more of a wait and see if it turns out to actually happen. Yeah, <laughs> it's exactly it. Um, the game industries is so vo volatile. You have games that get delayed. Yep. You have certain games that actually have moved up in the last week. Like, I'm looking at the game Scorn. It was supposed to come out 1021. It's coming out like 10, 10, 12 or something. It's like, anymore. It's like, and then they moved up like Marvel's Midnight Suns, which got delayed first, then it got delayed again into next year, and then they pushed it up to December. So, you could have all the faith in the world that your games will come out, but, you know, God forbid a virus, a deadly virus breaks out or something. The, the, the world is so fragile with these things happening that it's like, oh, you just can't ever be sure. But I am happy as heck that this is actually at least on their plan. Before it was like one game a year. Now it's two. It's like, okay, yeah, you know, the movies were like once a year, eventually going to do twice a year. And then now they're like once every five years at this rate <laughs> what it's looking <laughs> like. So who can know for sure? Listen, like my biggest thing is, are the... They say they want this, but how many delays have we've had? Like, I, yeah. I don't trust them. You know me. I'm salty about the games ever since they took over. Like, they're, they're hist 
their past behavior dictates their future behavior. They say this, like, but then six months later, it's being recast, <laughs> re re redone by a new company or delayed. Yep. Like, listen, you're right. Lucas Arts back in the day was piping out games every, you know, three four months, but they were good quality games. Yes, there has some stinkers in there, but people were satisfied with the Star Wars games back in the '90s and you know mid 2000s. Yeah, I mean, I was remembering going to Toys R Us, going like, "Ooh, what new Star Wars game is going to be on the shelf this week?" And then, and then my mom getting in trouble for buying me, you know, the Naboo Starfighter game. When my dad's like, "You bought him another Star Wars game? Did you just do that three weeks ago?" <laughs> you know, like I remember that happening way too much. This is like, there's too much Star Wars games. And back then, you know, the N64 games were not cheap. I think they were actually like comparable to the game prices now. It's crazy. Yeah. Um, how expensive the those? The difference is though, like they would come out though. Like when they would come out, they would be like exclusive releases from what I remember. Now, you know, you can get a game anytime you want because it's so easy to access. Like you had to go back with Tours R Us. We had to like go to this little place. Oh, yeah. Pick the little coupon out. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And they take it up and they pull it out the case. Like that's how yep. different it was compared to now. So, yeah, I mean, now I, it's look, digital. Bring back, yeah. Digital, you know, whatever. Just look, bring back LucasArts. Let's be real here. Bring back LucasArts. Stop playing around with these vices and frostbite companies. Like, <laughs> get your own department back to make us some quality games. Yeah. Yeah, at this point, Lucasfilm Games is just, like, the overseer. They're like, okay, yeah. um, you guys could do this. I, I mean, I like the idea. I do like the idea of, of don't, like, make a brand new studio and only have, like, some people that are good at this genre. It's like, just shop it out. Like, okay, this studio is really good with first-person shooters. Just put the Star Wars guys on that. This guy's really good with uh, adventure games. We'll let them. So I do like the idea. Again, it hasn't really come to fruition yet, but I think once we start seeing the gears turning, and we're seeing the same thing with Xbox right now. If you're a big Xbox gamer like yep. myself, Xbox first party, we've been hearing it for years. The Xbox has showed off like these Fable, Avowed, uh, Starfield, like all these like humongous games with huge budgets, and it's like they keep getting delayed, keep getting delayed, and and, and Xbox players are, and and PlayStation players are out there saying, "Hey, Xbox has no games." But it looks like once those games start coming out in a line, I feel like then people are going to be singing praises of Xbox. Same thing with X with the Star Wars per, uh, franchise. Once we actually get into a rhythm where it's like, okay, one year we have the KOTOR remake, then six months later we have Eclipse, and six months later we have the next Respawn Star Wars shooter. Then six, like, can you imagine how great that would be? Like, it's going to be like yeah. Disney plus Star Wars, where it's like every three, four months we're getting a new show. It's going to be, I think they want to hit that same kind of stride to keep the Star Wars games always in the conversation about, oh, there's this other one, here's this other one. You like these kind of strategy games? Well, now... Uh, we're switching it up now. There's going to be a, a space flight game, and then we could switch it up here to do this. So, like, there's a little bit for everybody. Um, so, I like the momentum. I think the, I think that's a good cadence to have because, especially if it's like an RPG, those games could literally take you six months to beat. And then it's like, hey, then I have a new Star Wars game to play because I'm done with that one now. So, I think that'll be. A, it's not going to be an overload, but I think six months is a nice little pace. We'll see if they can right. do it. I mean, the biggest thing they need to just make a game that's replayable you know like mm. uh, you know only like one lego star, star wars that i've i played it yesterday i'm gonna play like more lego star wars when we probably get off of here say, tonight like, <laughs> only, the only one i can think of has been lego star wars and i haven't played that one yet but i know you guys like it i know a lot of people yeah. in the fandom love that lego star wars game i will say they've been consistent about that 
and probably Jedi Fallen Order is probably the second game to that one. But um, I mean, yeah, I, I mean, still play. Yeah, go ahead. Oh, I was gonna say Milton. Like for me personally, my most replayed Star Wars game, of course, is the, the Lego game, and then the classic Star Wars Battlefront Two game because that's on say, you know yeah. uh, Xbox. I love that, and it's replayable because you can still hop on there. You know, turn the difficulty all the way up, and you know you're getting taken out by droids left and right. Like it's still hard. Or, yeah. or playing uh, what I just played. I was have Rogue Squadron on Nintendo 64. I got Shadows oh. of the Empire. Oh yeah, yeah. You just uh, played that? I haven't you, played that in years. I have Shadows of the Empire on 64. Oh yeah, it's fire. Still, still, still hard, but it's fire. Like that's what I'm saying. Like it's still challenging. Um, I still have Revenge of the Sith on PlayStation 2. Like, mm-hmm. I love playing. I love playing that game. It's still replayable to me, you know. Mm-hmm. So it's like if if you can make a game that's twenty, was it two thousand twenty two? That's seventeen years old, and that people still want to watch it, man. Like or still want to play it. Like you're doing your job. Like hell, Tetris is one of the most simplest games out there ever made, and people still play it. My dad has a Game yeah. Boy, and I played Tetris like a month ago, and I was still hype playing Tetris. You know what I'm saying? Like yeah. when you make a video game. No, it needs to be very replayable, not just the current generation, but generations moving forward. Why do you think everyone loves Mario still? Mm-hmm. Sonic. Yeah. You know what I'm like, I mean, look, look, Milton, look at us like being sports fans. I mean, say what you want about Madden, but Madden is always a high-selling game every year because right. people love to play it. Yeah. Like, it's 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 definitely if you if they put a Star Wars game together. Which I know they've done it because they they can do it. Because again, we st- I still play the Force Unleashed. Moving forward, there they should focus on replayability. Obviously, great storytelling, and obviously trying to connect with different fan bases on making the games. Yep, that's just that's just facts. Simply put, so getting into Andor, <laughs> I want to open up the conversation here on Andor because I really enjoyed this episode, and this is Aldani. I will preface this like this is a table setting episode and I know people are probably like chopping at the bit like especially after episode three like it was like yeah we had this great tense battle that really felt like things were built up to that point and then we get this episode and it's a lot of when I say table setting a lot of moving parts around to places they need to be to start branching out the storylines to start building into the next arc I feel like the way Andor is going, maybe there will be like every three episodes, like a big or every two, three episodes, I can see like a big climactic moment and then the fallout of that. And that's what I enjoyed so much about this episode, because not only did we get so much great fallout and character development on things that happened on Ferrix, but we're also introduced pretty seamlessly, I thought, into brand new characters without feeling like I, f- I didn't feel like we were juggling too much and they were all interesting characters. You had an ISB agent, Imperial Secure Bureau, never getting this far into that organization and anything Star Wars ever. I got a kick out of seeing these Imperials fighting dog-eat-dog for power. We always know about the Empire going for power. These people are trying to move up the ladder. Literally, that's like what they say in the episode. So seeing that kind of way the competition in the empire was so drastic and just so sterile like i love the environments of just being in the stark white but then cinematography focusing on like the rolling hills of like where they filmed it in scotland with what cassian was doing i loved seeing mod mothma return getting to see a different layer of her character i never knew she had a husband just seeing how the spy antics played out 
And seeing Cassian, like, understand, I feel like they did a good job enough of having Luthen recruit him and why he's, you know, just basically coalesced and said, like, acquiescence, like, oh, okay, yeah, I'll, I'll join you for now. Like, and, and see how the people are reacting to him in this group that yeah, it's too late. Why are you joining the group? I like seeing all the dissent that was happening there. It really felt like this was a real world we were dealing with. And that's the best thing I could say about this show so far. And why I think it's like really premier star Wars television right now is because it feels so modern as far as what we're looking at with other dramas out there right now. It feels like, the the character dialogue is written so well the storylines are so, written so well it kind of gets into that uh, you know it's not up there with bread or call saul or like anything like that but like it does remind me a little bit about i keep saying this before it was like this is that smart star wars where you have to read between the lines sometimes everything is not like spoon fed to you you have to kind of analyze things and and, and maybe watch it again really I mean, not this episode wasn't as much as the the first three episodes, but you have to pay attention. You you can't be on your phone and kind of multitasking. It's one of those shows that begs to have your attention, and it deserves your attention because man, oh man, this thing looks awesome. It sounds awesome, and there was a heck of a lot of Easter eggs. So right off the top, that's my opening salvo. Is yeah, while it wasn't an episode three where I was like sitting on the edge of my seat, I really enjoyed the quiet moments. I really got a lot of intrigue this is the intrigue that i was expecting out of a spy thriller like there's people making deals in back offices putting up fronts and wearing little like you know metaphorical mask to hide from the empire on the imperial's core planet i thought this was so freaking cool i'll throw it over to ben i mean i i can definitely see where you're coming from on um on a lot of like your breakdown of it like you know, I can see where you're saying, like, it's like, you know, the table setting episode um, and like just the different uh, qualities like the episode brought, whether it be, you know, of course, the cinematography, cinematography is on point on this show. It looks like a movie, movie quality cinematography. I can give it that. Um, and then like, you know, some of the parts, you know, you, you mentioned that you enjoyed um, or similar to me, like, you know, seeing Mon Mothma um, and like kind of the behind the scenes on her was pretty cool. And it was great, like, seeing her husband um, basically being, like, uh, you know, having a good time with being, like, uh, you know, it'd be like uh, any of us, if we were married to some, like, rich senator and we were the stay-at-home husbands, like, hey, this is pretty damn cool, like, you know, <laughs> hanging out with this, like, rich senator, basically, being my wife, like, you know, so it, it, you can tell he's, like, living the life and, you know, having a good time with it, I'm kind of playing around with her, like, you know, getting her annoyed, but it's, it's like a good little relationship right there. Um, and then my, my little side prediction for, for that is I feel like he might get taken out by the empire in this series. So, you know, it might be like mm. more of a driving force for her is, uh, that's kind of my guess. But anyways, uh, yeah, I thought the episode overall was all right. I just think, I just think we're, I don't know how I'd say it. Like, I think with this Star Wars, or this type of Star Wars storytelling, um, you know, you mentioned, like, the comparisons to, like, Better Call Saul, or, like, potential, like, just other things in general. My thing is, though, necessarily, do we need that in Star Wars, per se? Because, you know, we have, I mean, look, the Mandalorian worked. Boba Fett didn't work because 
you know, the creators just botched the character completely in that show. Um, and then Kenobi, I feel like, was was good, but, you know, there was just different issues with the show, I feel like, just from pacing and things like that, that kind of botched it. Like, those shows, both of those shows were really good, like Mando. I don't think, um, I don't think any of the, uh, the discussion of how, like, amazing like that and or looks and the quality of it in the, in the story beats would be if those shows actually did a good job of their storytelling. So I think that's just more of like a kind of like a referendum on Book of Boba and Kenobi for being a step down in terms of like quality. But, uh, but yeah, I just feel like for me, um, yeah, I would say this episode's okay. Okay. If that's fair, that's fair. Milton, throw it over to you. What are your first impressions, first thoughts on... Uh, I already know what you're going to say about the weaponry, so I know we're, we could take some points off on the on the episode at the end of the, right. the episode for that. But what else do you yeah. want to say about this episode? I'll, I'll, okay, I'll start with the, the positive. I'll say the, the visuals of this show is on point. Like, it's very much movie budget. And that's the first thing I said to myself, because whenever they showed Coruscant, which I lit up. I'm thinking about time we saw Coruscant. We haven't yeah. seen that planet in what, 15, 17 years? I mean, we see it in the, in the animations, but not live action. So I'm thinking, oh my God, I'm like, that is Coruscant. I believe that's from the prequels. It looks so good. It was well lit. It was very much a movie budget. Even seeing, I will say, I was impressed with the ISB, with how that looked. Mm-hmm. Love the white aesthetic look to it. I love how what they're trying, what they're saying that they're doing, and he asked like, "What are we actually in? Like, what, what's our purpose?" Mm-hmm. He talked about healthcare. Yeah. That healthcare example was really good because that was sick. Let's be real here. That, that's how our healthcare system works in our our time. So, um, quote unquote healthcare. Um, <laughs> but I loved the visuals of this episode. I loved how they're putting money in it. And the thing I said was, "Why haven't these other series besides Mando?" in the budgets that this show is getting like i unless they're just shooting it differently i know i i, I feel like the budgets are so different and when it comes to how these shows look it like, they am, took, am i right or am i wrong well they're not they're not different because it, can, can, what yeah kenobi time table. The, the other shows were shot in the volume okay well no and also and, this 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 show's been in development for three years. Those shows were like in development for like six months. Like they turned around Boba Fett in like six months. Like they rushed that the and, heck and out. That's a problem. And, and that and that's, that's an issue. Because if, if you want to give the best product, put the best time in it. We'll wait. I mean, how many times do they did they delay movies and video games? And we we're, we're going to wait. So mm-hmm. I can clearly see that this particular project has a lot more care to it, especially from the visual storytelling aspect. All right, that's a positive I have for sure. I love seeing Mon Mothma. I love her character. I, I like what they're mm. trying to do with her. Um, I love how you can. I will say this show does a good job at making making fear a real character. Like they make fear real in the sense of like, okay, she's saying I can't trust anybody. I yeah. have a lot on the line. And when we normally see Mon Mothma, we just see this calm presence mm-hmm. in character. We're seeing that she is very fearful, and she's still a badass, but she's like, okay, this is getting real now. Like, people are watching me. I have a lot to lose here. 
you know so we never saw that part from her before so i feel like we're going to get a lot of that a lot of that underbelly this is, this is kind of like the mm-hmm. underworld of yes. Star Wars politics. So I and here's the thing: I like a lot of political like shows, like The West Wing is one of my favorite shows of all time. This ain't The West Wing, you know. But like I House can see cards. that under House of Cards. Yep, I love House of Cards. I will say that's maybe a somewhat of a fair comparison. House of Cards to this yep. show a little bit. Um, but I will say this wasn't my favorite episode. Okay, I, I was getting I was getting kind of bored with this episode. Um, I know. Again, I see what they're trying to do. I feel like the pacing, to me, is 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 killing me right now because I, if if it were, if, if it were up to me, you can have two of these episodes in a row. But you got to change the pacing up by episode three, which they did in episode three. And then in episode four, I think you need to continue to pay off what how episode three ended. So then you then you need to build it to another through line of okay, okay, let's. It's kind of like wrestling. You build up to your to your mid main event. Yeah. Pay it off. Then you build up. You bring the crowd down. Then you build up to your main main event to finish off the show. I feel like they they went too fast here, where they paid it off in episode three, and they really just dropped them down. And it's like, wait, just slowly graduate us down, and then build us up again to your next payoff of your next arc. So I just feel like the pacing for this episode. It just threw me because I'm thinking, oh man, I'm like, I loved how three ended. Now we're slow again. Like, uh, like, let me get through that and then well, bring me down. Well, Milton, just, um, you bring up a good point there. I, so like, you talk about, uh, you know, how, you know, the pacing of it. I can't lie, like, about three quarters of the way through the episode, I paused it just to see, like, how much time was left because I was like, man, are we going to, like, get something here? And I was like, man, I don't think we are. Like, um, so I, I don't know. I think we need a dash of like the old George Lucas, like faster and more intense on some of this stuff. Yes. Um, I, I really think that's what this show needs. Yeah. Because honestly, like the, the part where it threw me, where I was like, just, I kind of tuned out was whenever they were on the, uh, what's that planet with the Imperials or, um, with the Highland people. The Aldani. What's that called? Oh yeah. Yeah. Like I was like, I mean the, the first part of it, I was like, okay, I see, I'm trying to see what they're trying to establish. And then after Lucian left, it kind of just was like, all right, they're just, I don't care about these other people. Like, I don't care about those villagers, you know? And, and I know they're probably going to play a part, obviously, of them trying to steal from the Empire at one point. But I wasn't intrigued by that. Honestly, I was more intrigued by that ISB chick. I was like, oh, I was like, well, what, oh, what are you doing? Oh, for with her? sure. Because anytime she was on screen, like, the pacing changed. I was like, oh, like, g- give me this for the whole episode. Like, give, give me one episode of, of Imperial stuff. Like, I don't care about these people on the mountain. I really don't. Hmm. Like, and and I know, and I know they're probably going to play an integral part. I can't ignore that. I'm thinking, God, put this pacing with the people on the highlands, because like this highland is slowing it down for me. Like, the the lady who's actually trying to get ahead and actually snuff out the rebels. I'm thinking, okay, how is she figuring this out? There must be a pattern here, and she says it. There's a pattern of this. So where was this going? I love, I love seeing what she's trying to do. Yeah, I think what what's going on with uh, the pace agents, I, I I kind of agree. Um, are we watching a show like House of Dragons or even another one is Rings of Power right now? Is they do a good job with ending their episodes where you want to watch the next one like immediately? And I, I was I was looking forward to the battle. I was like, oh, we're we getting a battle today. We're we getting a battle today, and and it just kind of go. You know, they make it prolonged. They went over the whole battle plans and everything, so you're already. 
And then, and this is my problem with the show so far, is that they just end the episodes very awkwardly. Like, they, exactly, they yeah. end the episodes, yeah. and you're like, oh, that literally, was it. Chris, Chris literally, I had, to, I had to rewind the last, like, 30 seconds. I'm thinking, did that just end like that? He, he, doesn't he give him well, that Well, I pad? thought I missed the line. Yeah, he gives him that pad, and he's like, oh, did you do you know how to operate this or something? Yeah. And he's like, well, yeah. And then he they just cut, kind of, whatever thing, and they zoom in on his face. I'm thinking, okay, are they going to pay this off? And it just ends. I'm like, and yeah. What? Like that's that's a dumb payoff. They they like, need like, more of like a catching thing where they're like they show yeah. like the base or something like more tangible. We're like, oh, I can't wait exactly. to see that or something. Not just like oh, just show like, Andor for like the third time as they end the episode. Right, and it's not like Andor was doing anything to like keep you to want you to stay on the screen with him. Like, yeah, I, look, I always talk like there's a show, The Sopranos. The Sopranos oh, yeah, is yeah, one yeah. of the greatest shows ever made. Mm-hmm. And every time they ended an episode, whether it was a softer episode or a more violent one, their endings always paid it off in a sense of like, okay, this is going to pay off within the first 15 minutes of the next episode. But it ended in the way of like, oh, my God, I have to watch the next one. That's why people love Game of Thrones so much. Because mm-hmm. I have to yep. they ended them so well. Even True Blood on HBO, like the first five seasons, they ended those episodes really well. It was like, okay, I got to watch episode you know, four next Sunday. This one, yeah, I'm gonna watch yeah. it next week because we're reviewing the show. But I'm like, I'm like, I'm not excited. You know, honestly, you know, what show I'm hyped about by watching every day, every week is She-Hulk. She-Hulk has been ending their episodes somewhat better than Andor. And I'm not saying Andor's yeah. a trash show compared to the two. Like Andor's a way better show than She-Hulk. Fact. <laughs> yeah. <But> She-Hulk. <laughs> well, my thing with. The... Go ahead. Oh. Yeah, my, my thing my thing with all this too, like you mentioned, Milton, like it's the um it's like the hanging on at the very end of the episode, like pushing you into the next one. Like every week Chris can attest to, to this. I'm not sure if you uh, Milton yourself have caught up or, or started House of the Dragon, but every week, soon as soon as soon as House of the Dragon ends, I'm like, God dang it, I'm I'm ready for next Sunday already. Yeah. Like that's well, no, how it I, is. I see I see you guys' tweets. You know, when you guys are yeah. talking about hey, I'm 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 ready for House of Dragons, and look, and I'm usually, I'm the one watching football on, around that time, and like, <laughs> I don't really care about that show yet, because I'm gonna watch it, because I haven't even finished Game of Thrones yet, but I okay. see you guys, like, talk about your excitement for House of Dragons, how it ends, you know, and I'm thinking, that's a good thing, like, and people are saying how good that show is, and it's, and again, they're keeping probably to the same pacing of what Games of Thrones was, because it worked mm-hmm. for, what, eight years? Yep. Mm-hmm. 100 yeah. percent it feels just like game of thrones and that's 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 actually a good um a good jumping off point uh, in this discussion is so like take house of the dragons that show different time period you know it takes place a few hundred years before the original show but you know it still has like a similar feel to game of thrones as or as the original series does and like for me so far like andor it's, it feels different from Star Wars. Like, we have Star Wars characters, we have some Star Wars beats in the show, but to me, we haven't had a major Star Wars feel to the show just yet, right. in my opinion, in the first four episodes. And I think, and I think we all know that that's been on purpose, because as we know, Tony Gilroy, he's the one that mm-hmm. doesn't want to, like, yep. feed, in, feed into the fans. And I respect that. Like, I respect that you're trying to make star wars different as i think he should mm-hmm. however 
this man came and helped finish Rogue One and made it on point. You know, we got to give him credit. And Gareth Edwards deserves a lot of credit for that movie, too. But you still, this project is supposed to lead into Rogue One. Okay, you got to give us that. I, I don't feel like this is part of Rogue One yet. Maybe it's oh, going to be like that in season two. I don't know yet because Rogue One was fire. I'm trying to trust Tony Gilroy here. I will say I, I see what they're trying to do. And it's, I, I, it's, when people say you're trying to make something different with Star Wars, I'm not comparing this to The Last Jedi because I know Ryan Johnson will say, oh, we tried something different. No, you wrecked The Last Jedi. <laughs> I, 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 feel like, I feel like Andor isn't wrecking Star Wars. So I, think, I think it's just taking a chance and a different leap. But I think it's very much Star Wars, but it's different. They're not hitting you over the head with the pew pew force lightsaber. Stuff it's a yet. safer leap, though. There we go. Yeah, yeah. So I think there's a great comment in here uh, from Battle in Boston's. They are Tim Sheets, who's often been in our chat room here. This show has a bigger feel to it than Obi Wan. I agree. Uh, the worlds feel bigger. The slow intro of the Empire is a great building of suspension and fear. And that's right. where you guys are feeling disconnected from the Star Wars aspect in one of the portions, right? So you, and I love that fact, how they are that bold to not even have a single Stormtrooper or TIE Fighter in the first three episodes. And they had this corporation um, that gets dissolved in this empire in, in this episode. And you're like, oh, sh like the Empire's here. Like they, well, they, here's the thing, though. Like, I, I, I kind of slightly disagree with that comment in the sense like i'm okay with them not showing stormtroopers like i'm totally fine like i again i like the isb i like seeing that because we're seeing a different type we're seeing mm -hmm. a different part of the of the not the republic of the empire there you go world building so, there you go I mean, yeah because i, I think of it it's kind of like um it's like, probably like the uh, uh the cia mm -hmm. i the iab is probably the cia exactly of, of the of the uh the the, the empire so they don't know what's going on in the CIA or the NSA. You know, they're probably doing some off-the-wall shady stuff. You know, they're saying it's all about freedom and protecting us as people. But let's be real here. They're probably doing some off-the-wall shit throughout, throughout other countries <laughs> or in our country. So I'm, I like seeing this. I want to see this gritty side of the empire. You know, I don't – this honestly might – probably should be an empire show mixed in with, like, Cassie and Andor trying to take them down. Mm-hmm. Maybe that's what the focus should be on this first season of what the Empire is all about and how they're trying to figure out the rebellion and then flip it in season two about, okay, Andor trying to like, I don't know. I'm seeing a lot more Empire and I like it. Like, that's what I'm gravitating to is all the Empire stuff. That's yeah, and that's, that's where it's interesting right now for me. That's where we were getting the predictions before we watched the first episode. We were talking about this a few times about how this show would be a good avenue and seen from the perspective of the Empire. Yeah, so we are actually that, getting I, that. I feel now. Like we're getting that. We're getting that. Oh, yeah. Because from, from the that security team that got messed up in, was it episode three? Mm hmm. That, that, what's the guy's name? The ambitious soldier? Zero Karn. Yeah, seeing his perspective. Obviously, with the IAB, with that old guy and those two people going at it, like mm -hmm. that is where my eyes are glued to the screen. I'm like, okay, what are they doing? How yeah. are they figuring this out? Because then he says, well, we brought your, your type in because we know you got promise, blah, blah, blah. It's like, okay, so what are they trying to, what's the Empire trying to do here? What type, what type of people are they trying to bring in? Mm. Like, I, I, love, yeah. I love hearing I, about that. Oh, yeah, I, com I completely agree with you on that. For me, I honestly would say the most engaging part of the show has been 
the imperial parts, the parts with um, Karn, like those mm-hmm. those parts, I feel like have been the most intriguing for myself, just because I feel like, you know, like you said, Milton, when they're sitting there having that conversation, the Imperials, like you're like, oh man, what's this about? You know, you have that, um, you know, the woman, uh, the woman Imperial officer in that meeting, like you know, Deirdre. what's going on with her? Yeah, you have you have her. You have. Um, I mean, also, you have the potential turn. Like, like we all can see Karn, Karn turning. You know, he's going to turn. We've seen, we're seeing that a mile away. Like, just by his facial expressions and things. Mm-hmm. So it's a matter of like, how you know, when are we going to start seeing him like sneak out data chips or something, or you know, do that sort of like stuff. Um, so like that stuff is way more interesting to me than like, and you know, as you as you mentioned, Milton, like when it cuts back to some of the stuff with like. Cassian on that um, on the planet with the people, it's just like man, this is like slow. And then like yeah. the Mon Mothma stuff, that's interesting to me because oh, yeah. you know that's a char- that's a character like we we know and love, and we we've never seen that side of her before. And it's just like, all right, there could be something here. And then I feel like I, I don't know. I feel like I feel like we have interesting stuff with Mon Mothma, the Empire. And then, like the Cassian stuff is kind of on the side for me so exactly. far. Exactly, I feel like I feel like they're they're and, and maybe that's on purpose. Maybe they're just letting that pay off later in the second half of the show. Yeah. Um, oh yeah. Because like I said, I I just don't I don't gravitate to him quite yet. And here's the thing: he's a loved character too because we loved him from that movie. Like, they, they, you don't you don't make a show about Andor without not liking him in that and first D- movie. And Diego so, like, Luna's acting is so good. He's oh, so yeah. good, I, and I, I love him as an actor. I love him as his. I love his character. Like he really was dope in, in Rogue One. I just think that, you know, maybe they're just. I think they're just dragging this out a little too long. They just really need to put something over the top where we're like, okay, we know what they're trying to do here. Yes, give us a surprise. And I do have a hot take, or I guess you know, guess. I don't think it's that guy who's going to be turning. To the good side, it's going to be that chick. I have a feeling oh. that she's the one. Like, I feel like Ooh, she's that's a like, good. Whoa, that's I, I nice, like, man. I feel like Loki. Loki, she's going to double turn. She <gasps> might have a tie to like the what the rebellion's doing. I think she's overly oh. like, trying to say the rebellion's forming just to throw them off. Dude, she could that's be like. Cool. Um, I, I see people like uh, saying about this. We have a we have a big reference to Star Killer in this episode with. Um, the suit of armor that people see that's like almost almost what you would wear in the game um, but uh, what is the female character's name in the game that is also a blonde hair imperial agent that turns oh that's uh, Juno Eclipse yeah what happens Juno if this Eclipse. is like the canon version of her she was never in canon yeah, yeah. well that's I mean, what I mean like, like, turn into it. this could be like her from legends like this character is basically like her you know could be so so in the, so in the game she was an imperial pilot okay and then she was assi- she was assigned to star killer to fly him around and obviously whenever uh star killer and vader are going to confront the emperor the first time vader turns on him he kills him captures uh juno and say that she's a traitor too because she she was with star killer mm-hmm. and then whenever he gets rebuilt he saves her and they go on the run and they try to start the rebellion so, I could see them trying to rewrite it and make her kind of like the Juno Eclipse, which would be dope. And she kind of looks like her, too. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I don't know how they're going to pull that off, but, yeah. 
Yeah, so I, I mean, I get now that I keep thinking about I watched the episode twice. Um, the Cassian stuff could have been a little bit repetitive in the fact of like you see Cassian walk up to the one lady. She's like, "Why are you here?" Then he walks up to like the other guys. "Why are you here?" Then the other yeah, guy yeah. from the speeder comes in. "Why are you here?" And like the whole time, like you don't really get any like charisma from Diego Luna in that point. Like. He's just, like, standing there. He's not really making a name for himself. He's not really, like, doing anything extraordinary. He's just, like, standing there. So, of course we don't like that part of the show because there's not really anything memorable going down. Right. I think the next episode is going to blow blow up because that's when they're going to go on that mission. And, and from what we've seen, they're, like, diving off cables off the side of that dam in the trailer and stuff. So... That next episode, we're going to get some really big character beats for Cassian, I'm sure. But it's just, you know, in an episode where there was some really cool stuff with Imperials and, like, Mon Mothma and Lucian, like, yelling at the top of his voice to that girl. I was like, oh, my gosh. Like, the guy's like my father, like, yelling. I'm like, whoa. At that one moment when he's, like, talking yeah. to her. I was like, oh, crap. Like, Lucid, man. You're, you're scaring me over there, man. But, um... Yeah, so so yeah, in a in an episode that I thought was pretty pretty good, pretty good. That that was just the part that yeah, it was like okay, that's the part I like the least. I can agree with you guys. I like that part the least out of the entire episode. It's perfectly uh, logical and um, and all that. But let, let's let's start breaking the episode down a little bit more intricately. Uh, starting with like the first scene where we have Lucian and he's talking to. Cassian and, and you have the big news I, I put a video on this on the channel earlier about like oh yeah apparently Cassian Andor could have been serving on the front lines you know on Minban as we see in Solo Star Wars Story and might have been cooking for Byron Valence from the comics who was also at that battle too so you know we're getting a little bit more again of, of the Cassian character in this in this episode knowing that he was in prison he did run just like Han Solo ran like most of the people died on that planet uh, what you guys like about that scene about just everything going on there honestly like it yeah i didn't care like i didn't care like I, that sounds so bad like i just was like <laughs> like i was just like just not intrigued because i'm thinking oh my god how they ended episode three they're going into this like, i don't want to see talking i want to like see this get i want them to get followed i want rebellion or the empire to come after him you know and then lead into like you know some dialogue but I, I didn't care for the scene now i know what they were talking about he was saying how like i do know where you were i do know the type of person you are i came after you for a reason so that was cool it was cool hmm. to hear that this guy is invested in his character yeah but honestly they, they, I, I could i could have done without the scene i was like whatever. no <laughs> they needed that scene man because like the previous no, they, scene they're getting fired at like they like he's on the ship with them like they have to figure out right then and there like all right what is he doing because like that now they're no, a little I, bit I, more safer so they can actually have that conversation that they couldn't have originally because it was like fight or flight where it's like okay these guys are here you got to come with me or you're gonna basically get arrested or get killed right. so what is it gonna be now they have a falling out like you whenever you have a big action scene you have to have some kind of falling action because there's got to be fallout of what happened there and i think like yeah you could have had a chase scene i guess that that would have been fine um but then how would they ever get to this planet now with the rebel cells right. it would be a little bit no weird. That, that, that makes sense um, and like i said i i know it's necessary for storytelling i just think that it was just kind of too easy in the sense of like it was very convenient but again I, i'm not writing the show and it, it works like it did its job 
I -hmm. just wasn't invested. Maybe that's probably the best way to put it. I was like, oh, all right. I don't want to, I don't care about this right now. This could have been moved maybe somewhere else, but it it needed to be there too. So I understand that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because weren't they going in hyperspace at that moment? Yeah, they they jumped to hyperspace like probably like two minutes into the episode or something like that. So that's probably why they could have done it because it's like, well, we're in hyperspace. Now is the time to talk sort of thing. (laughs) yeah and by the way i I gotta i I gotta agree with battle in boston's here in the chat he's saying um is the navigation system slash voice on the ship actually the voice of k2 i don't think it's the voice what do you mean by that do you mean like the act that's the same actor or is that like the eventual voice that'll be implanted into k2 i I thought it was k2 as well it sounded very so similar so right maybe maybe that's the the, i like this is a new concept in Star Wars, or it's a new design that we haven't seen in a, in a live action show. Because uh, with L three three seven or whatever her name was, I think that's right, right? L three 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 seven or L3. something. Yeah, L three. Like she, her brain was implanted into the Millennium Falcon, but you don't ever hear like the Millennium Falcon talking back. But we do know that there's like two brains inside of the the Millennium Falcon that give it like its control and stuff. So it's really neat seeing that like. This is a different kind of droid, I guess you can kind of call it, because he does interface with like this like little nodule like camera thing, which is pretty neat because it gives him a little bit more personality than just like um like a omnipotent like voice out there. Um, but it, I I like the aspect of like yeah, this isn't it's just like an AI of the ship. Like we haven't really gotten at Star Wars before, where it at least talks back. So I do enjoy that that aspect of it. But I'll throw it back to you, Ben. Yeah, I would say, um, yeah, I definitely, I definitely liked that aspect of it. I didn't realize that actually at first, or I guess I didn't, um, I guess I didn't realize it sounded like him. So, uh, you know, that's, uh, that's interesting. I'll have to, I'll have to go back and check that out. Um, and then in terms of like this whole opening scene, I think with me personally, like, I don't know, you have, yeah, on paper, you have to have a scene like, like this, you know, like kind of briefing Cassian, briefing, um, briefing, I guess, us kind of as an audience or, like, people as an audience. But then again, I do also think some of the some of the stuff, you know, as you mentioned earlier, Chris, when you were talking about the people on the planet, he eventually meets up with the rebel cell. You know, some of that was, like, kind of repetitive. I feel like some of this opening conversation was just repetitive in terms of, like, once we got to that planet, I feel like it, the same beats got kind of repeated with Cassian and Lucian. Like, you know, it felt really similar of like him, you know, pushing him and, um, you know, this whole thing of like, you know, him joining. So I think, um, I don't know, I guess there's really no way you could go around it. Cause it's not like the scene was like a 20 minute scene or something, but uh, yeah, I don't know. I just feel like the execution was a little weird, but I mean, it, it makes sense for the story. It makes sense on paper, like you said, for the falling action from the, the prior episode. Mm-hmm. It's just, I think there's, um, I don't know. Yeah, it, it feels almost like, like some of it, some of the show to me so far feels like it's like kind of like talking at us as well as an audience. Like, like you know, it's kind of like the dialogue dumps you see in movies to inform people of what's going on. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, there's a little bit of that when they're like walking through the hills. I, I could see that where there's just like, okay, here's yeah. <laughs> we're gonna explain about where these like forty thousand people went or whatever it was. They got moved out. Um, yep. 
But you know, if it was if it wasn't for the whole conversation on this Fondor ship, we would have never got the awesome reference to the Rakatan people being canon, which is like the yeah. big people from the Old Republic, like that built the Star Forge, that were like the preeminent bi- beings in all of the Star Wars galaxy. So yeah, I never would have thought that that information dump would have come from. Uh, freaking star wars Andor, out of all places i was expecting more something like that from like the acolyte or something so i'm like oh this show is full of surprises as far as easter eggs are concerned um but that was a cool crystal he gave him i was like all right that's like kind of like a giant kyber crystal a little bit kind of like what Jin urso has so i was like huh him and Jin are a little bit more similar than we ever thought um but yeah it's like it's interesting how lucian has so much trust in Andor just to give him that you know it's like what does he see in Andor that we don't know about him? You know, like, is he holding something back that Andor doesn't know that us, the audience, doesn't know of why he's so important to, like, risk his life to get this one guy that's a mercenary and then he's going to pay him, like, 200,000 credits where, like, the rest of the people are getting paid, like, basically nothing? Because they're like, oh, we're just, like, living here, just, like, boiling our water and hunting for whatever is still around that place to eat. Like... (laughs) How's this guy getting like, you know, he's going to live comfortably the rest of his life, basically off this one mission. We're still here. (laughs) So, yeah, I thought that was interesting. Uh, His son. Okay, so battling Boston is saying maybe that's his son. That would be a freaking big plot twist if I've ever heard of one. Yeah, that'd be. Oh, my gosh. Right. Well, yeah, I mean, we, we don't know about know. the we don't we know about the parents. Well, yeah, we talk we talk about Cassians. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because like, don't they say in the movie that his parents been fighting this war? He's been fighting this war since he was like three. Yeah, something like something. that, or six years old, or so. Something. I mean, his parents were separatists, according to the uh, yep. cat- Catalyst book. So. Oh, so let me let me break this down. So, quick aside here. And I'm going to be paying attention to these articles every Monday because they drop some serious like cannon bombs on on us. And the on StarWars.com they put these things like Andor and analyzing Andor articles or the Andor episode guides. If you look in the trivia gallery, they like straight up confirm that um, the flashbacks in episodes one, two, and three predate the Clone Wars. They're like way further back before the separatists like those guys have separatist logos but they're actually technically not separatists it's like a logo that's predating the separatists so they are still republic but yeah it was stuff like that where they're like oh yeah this the, you know in that article thing they said like yeah this planet was basically cordoned off like nobody could go there because there was this huge toxic destruction as we see like that mining accident um so the kids somehow survived so yeah, I mean, everybody was always talking about, you know, in, in the sequel trilogy, like, raise mom, raise mom. I haven't heard of one person coming up with, like, ooh, who's who's uh, Cassian's father? Maybe we could start that trend on the Outer Transmission podcast. Yeah, that's because that's that's to, uh, Tony Tim Sheets. Troy's a better filmmaker. He's a better storyteller. That's why. True. <laughs> True. He's not, he's not going to put something in here that's not going to pay itself off. <laughs> he, he may take his time before it pays I can, off. But... I can see the twist being almost uh, Lucian's the one that killed his parents. Facts. Or, you know, I could see something like that being more potentially even than his dad. But, I mean, his dad would be an interesting one. Or, you know, it's either I feel like 
either he's the one that killed his parents or, you know, and maybe he's like, you know, at this point regretting it. And, you know, it's that whole type of, you know, you know, redemption for a character type deal. Or I could see a lot of this set up for him getting killed later. And, you know, that being kind of like the catalyst, I guess you would say, of Cap pushing Cassian much further along into the Empire. Because, like, actually, if I had to do a death prediction right now, I think Lucian gets taken out at some point once he, we build up more of a relationship with him and Cassian. And then Mon Mothma's husband gets taken out as well. So, you know, we're going to have a driving force for both of those characters. And I, I could see that being the reason why. Yeah, um, let's let's shift over to Mon Mothma and the Lucian thing. And, and first off, I love this scene of Lucian on the ship. And, like, he goes into this, like, persona of this, like, aristocratic gallery owner like like as soon as he puts on the wig he like transforms he's doing his stuff in the mirror to just like practice and i was like this guy has some range as an actor selling scars guard he is like the best thing in the show so far if you ask me as far as like just like he's got this like tour de force kind of about him like he gravitas like and the fact that he's able to like go from this grim, like, ruffled voice to, like, this, like, very uppity, like, rich guy in this gallery. I was like, holy crap, like, that was pretty freaking cool. Same thing with Mon Mothma. And seeing her so bubbly and, like, I was like, oh, man, like, this is a Mon Mothma that, like, the complete polar opposite of this very stoic, like, deadpan face delivering, like, exposition dialogue from Return of the Jedi that we've ever seen. It's thanks to Genevieve O'Reilly that just brings her to life. And again, just like I said off the top, like that whole concept of she's feeding the rebellion money because she's the, as we see her, her humble abode is uh, very well decorated. And, and just you can tell by the clothes she's wearing, the costumes, it's like she's bankrolling a rebellion, but people are catching on. So there's that sense of urgency in this episode that that's set up that sense of, uh, Ooh, like they could be honest at any given moment. You know, I, I love that sense of uh, stakes that they built up already for like the rebellion's got to be so careful. They got to constantly watch over the shoulder, be careful. Like they were saying, like even the new driver of her like cab, it's like, yeah, he's pretty much probably an imperial informant. They've been through this before. Like they're getting used to like having to have these conversations. It kind of reminded me of like, I don't know, like Sopranos or something, like going in the back room of like the deli or something like that to just get these deals made. It was, it was, that's where, I, like you were saying before, Milton, about like the underworld with Star Wars. Yeah, this is like the underworld at its finest. They're not even in, in order, they're not even in level 13, 13. They're like in more of the higher up areas and they're, and they're doing this stuff. And I'm like, this is pretty right. freaking cool. Well, and that's what I said. Like, that's why I mentioned earlier about <clears throat> that comment because it very much, is something that we don't see often. Yes, we know there's fear in Star Wars, but they're making fear a part of the show. It's a character. Like, you can mm -hmm. see the fear and hear it in Mon Mothma's and Lucian's conversation um, because she don't normally act like that. And it's like, oh, like, you know she's worried. And even, like, when in Rogue One, when, you know, they're fighting, uh, the, going up against the shield gate, <clears throat> like, she's worried. And when they hear about the Death Star, but she ain't, like, fearful of it, if that makes sense. Um, this she's like, no, people are watching me. People know, might be know what's going on. She's like, we have to be smart. And I love how they portrayed that. I love that scene. Again, first of all, it was a Genevieve O'Reilly. She's so mm -hmm. hot, dude. I, I know. Take my, I, 
Seriously. I can't take my eyes off of her. Like, I don't she's care like, if she's like 50 years old. <laughs> well, yeah, first of all, she's 45. 45. Okay. 45. <laughs> and I'm thinking, good God, this woman, like, she is Mon Mothma. I know the first actress that played her in the original, original trilogy. Yes, she's that character. But just like I say about Obi-Wan and Ewan McGregor, to me, this chick's the same. And that's the thing. They look so exactly the same. You can definitely tell she's younger because of the timeline, which makes sense. Yeah. And her hair is a little bit like brighter. But again, that's how you age as your hair gets a little bit older or lighter or whatever it is. Perfect transition because her hair is darker looking in the Rogue One on purpose to match her up with Return of the Jedi. Mm-hmm. But I'm thinking, dude, she's so hot. But, dude, I love how she acts. Does a good job with that character. You know she's going to yeah. kill it as the show goes on. So I cannot wait to see more of her. What about you, Ben? What'd you take well, from this scene? Did you like it? Did you glean anything? Did it make you uh, kind of more enthused with how the the spy aspect and all with the Imperials and all that is concerned? Well, well, I I'll be honest. Like the stuff going on with her and Lucian, like. I thought that kind of sneaking around is what we would be getting from Cassian, you know, like that type of like more sneaky stuff. Um, so it was cool seeing like her, uh, you know, her going along with that. And then like you, like you mentioned to start the, this whole uh, discussion about her, uh, you know, just seeing Lucian, like, you know, like go almost cartoony, like, you know, aristocratically, like that mm-hmm. was, that was great. Um, and then her, like, throughout the whole sequence, I thought she did a really good job of basically, you know, playing two characters, playing her real self, and then, like, mm-hmm. the highfalutin, highfalutin senator that she is. Um, you know, she did that really well. And then, as I mentioned, like, the stuff with her and her husband was a pretty good, like, almost down-to-earth um, yeah, real thing in Star Wars, because we haven't, like, if you guys think about it, like, the stuff with Padme and Anakin was more, like, serious. You know what I mean? Like, this feels more playful, more, like, realistic what you'd imagine in a relationship versus, like, Padme and Anakin felt more, like, galactic or something. You know what I mean? It felt more, like, dire. Like, this felt like an actual, real relationship in Star Wars. Then, of course, like, Han and Leia was just developed clear, and then, you know, they finally got together at the very end of Return of the Jedi, basically. But, um... But, you know, I, I feel like this, her relationship there, it feels more like a real one, like, you know, what you'd actually imagine in Star Wars or imagine in, oh, in yeah. real life. And then just to see where, I, I guess also my big takeaway with her character as well, how are we going to go from point A with her right here? How is she meeting Cassian is my question. Because they're in two separate worlds right now, completely like he's at the lowest probably rung of the rebellion and she's at the highest highest pot. I mean she's the one bankrolling it. So like yeah. How are we going to even how are we even getting to that? Well, I don't even know if they I will. Mean, I'm saying this that as in a good way, like not in not in like a not in like a negative way, just a just a genuine interest like of how are we going to get from point A where we are now to that? Yeah. I mean, it's <laughs> Battle in Boston has given us good points. Andor equals the Star Wars version of Downtown Downton Abbey. I haven't watched that show, but I'm I, but you know, I could assume that show would match up with a lot of the dialogue and just the way that the general sense of it is. But um, I mean, nobody's saying that they have to meet this season, but at the very least next season, because uh, you know we follow rebels and the rebels rescue her, and it's interesting because there is a rebels connection. 
you get like kind of like a prelude to what will ultimately be the reason why she leaves the rebellion. There's a bit of dialogue saying about the uh, something with the Gornians or something like that. Like there's like a dispute yep. going on, and they cut off like their supplies or something, and like the husband's happy about it, and she's like, "You might have just caused the massacre of them or something, or somebody did." Um, or the people that he's hanging out with at the table that he's going to sit next to, which includes Sly Moore, which is a really cool little Easter egg that I perked up with hearing. Um, and we know that she's leaving the Rebellion in Rebels because she says the same thing, like, oh, like, there's something with the Gormians or, so, or something like that. So I was like, oh, there's a cool little foreshadowing of, of what we'll see down the road. So yeah, uh, you know, I don't know if she'll even leave Coruscant in this season because this is all taking place during that like one-year period. But, you yeah, know, how, how is she going to get out there when there's all these eyes looking at her? It might not be until the first time when she leaves the Re- Rebels that she can actually leave at that point. I'm not sure. But, I mean, nonetheless, like I said, I like you were saying, Ben, I, I just like the idea of a table scene and maybe we're going to get like a dinner scene like it would be Game of Thrones next week. Where we're going to have all these dignitaries kind of shooting insults at one another, like under their breath and like a very like uppity kind of like... Uh, backhanded kind of compliments and stuff like that i'm i'm gonna love that if we get that next week i I really hope that we get that (laughs) oh i i i think that's where it's heading with her her part of the story you know uh you know then you have the stuff with cassian going on with him um his mission that he's on but with her you know i feel like we're gonna get some type of a table like dinner scene with all the with the dignitaries um and then there's going to be, see, I, I just, I don't know why I could just see a lot of the stuff happening, but I could, I could see her husband being like a slip up. You know what I mean? He, he could be the weak link that slips up and says something and she, you know, she gives him an earful about it because, you know, he's playing it fast and loose is, is what I'm getting from him, his character. Um, but, you know, there's got to be something like to me anyways, like with her character being potentially just on Coruscant let's say the thing is with her there has to be something that pushes her character you know like kind of like the momentum like you know to get it to get it rolling so like the thing is what is it going to be is it going to be your husband slipping up is it going to be potentially her driver imperial drive potentially imperial informant driver listening in on a conversation with her and lucian or her and her husband talking about the stuff that's going on or the the funds or whatever is it going to be... I feel like it's got to be something to get the ball rolling for her character. Mm. Yeah, I mean, to get the ball rolling would be the death of her husband. I think that's going to totally, like, trauma... Like, change her character around because we see her so drastically right now. It's like, yeah, yep. that would definitely set somebody in grief, does terrible things to you, and it also might harden her spirit to be one that has no more remorse for the empire and that they got to get crap well, done. Yeah. An- another point real quick to throw in there for you guys as well. Um, I think with her character, you know, right now, um, I'm not sure what you think on this Milton, but like, I think right now with her character, she's, it's kind of like the whole, you know, you, if you're a rich person, you can just, write it away with money and I don't have to have be hands on like in the trenches with it. You know what I mean? You see, you see that stuff like, you know, like you'll have wealthy people like, Oh, I'm going to donate to this, this big cause just to like write a check. Like to me, I feel like she's at a point right now. Yeah. She's involved, 
like as in what we're seeing on screen, you know, obviously other stuff could have been happening that will eventually get referenced to, but as of right now, she's just the the rich person writing the checks who hasn't got her hands dirty yet. Oh, I see what you right. mean. Yep, yep, yep. Yeah, and, and it might be an event that could push her over the edge to do something. You just never know. Yeah, I'm waiting for that Senate scene. I gotta see mine. They mentioned him. They mentioned the the Grand Vizier. So cannot wait to see good old Massimeta and controlling the Senate. Yeah. And and I love the fact how she was like like incredulous at the fact of like oh like the the Senate they or these people they've been stopping my every motion at the at the Senate. It's like yeah, of course they have. It's run by the freaking emperor. He doesn't have to say yes to anything. Like, you guys have just figured that out now that nothing's passing, even though the votes went through? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's... Yeah, I'm curious to see how next week's going to go. Well, do we... Speaking of Mon Mothma, do we think the person that she was referencing um, is Bail Organa? Oh, yeah, they mentioned about a friend. I think it's Bail Organa. Friend? I mean... Yeah, it's it's got it's got to be Bail, right? I mean, since he was on set for Kenobi, obviously, like... He's already like got a cell. Yeah, but he's he's already got a cell. Like, I mean, they, they can retcon any book, but in the Ahsoka novel, which goes up to I think a year after Revenge of the Sith, like Bale comes to rescue her, and he's got like a Corvette and like two or three A wings already. So it's like, okay, he's got his own like little cell. Whether or not Mon Mothman knows about like his cell and is going to bring them together, and I could see something happening with like Bale Organa like meeting Saul Guerrero and being like. I am the complete polar opposite of how I do my tactics. I'm not like killing innocents and all this crap because, did, uh, you know. Yeah. Did you guys catch that? Um, did you catch that at the when uh, Lucian and uh, Cassian were going to that planet meeting with that rebel cell? Uh, one of the people said Saul Guerrero like slit people's throats and stuff. I was yeah. like, yeah. holy smokes! They put that in, a, said, in a show. Like, like that's crazy. No, because the guy snuck up on the other guy. I like that was a cool character moment. It's like this guy's just chilling. Yep. His friends like, yeah, we'd all be dead right now. And if you were under the uh, command of Saul Grayer, he'd put your head on a pike. It's like, just damn. Fun. Yeah, I was yeah. like, okay, we got the Saul Grayer reference. Let's. I think that could be happening next episode, right? Like we're talking about like speculation. This character here, this character there. Like, all right, where, where's Lucian gonna go? He's got his information from Mon Mothma. Uh, we know from the trailer he's going to be talking face to face with Saul Guerrero. You get to see good old Benthic Two Tubes standing guard. Uh, rest of the partisans. They mentioned the partisans. Uh, so yeah, I think we could be seeing those guys uh, pretty soon. Let's let's go back and or not go back, but just talk about the other character. And this entire character is getting just better and better. The Cyril Karn character. I said last week that he is one of the shining parts about the series. Is just the path that this guy this guy that really you know when you look at him from the perspective of oh we know these are the bad guys like he's a guy that's like just doing his job you know he's just, he wants to stand up to the corruption at his job where they're just being very complacent and just trying to write things off as a uh, we're gonna say it, you know this was a risk and it was dealt with and, and no he wants to actually get justice he's the guy that's like the white knight that just wants to do the right thing for morality's sake his employees co-workers died He's trying to just, you know, get justice for him. And the fact that, you know, yeah, he was probably out of his depths a little bit. And now he's cost hundreds, if not thousands of people, their jobs at this point. Like, 
the the ramifications that we get in this for him is kind of crazy because we've never seen anything quite like this in Star Wars. Like the the repercussions on this level of like somebody messing up and and having to live with the the dire consequences. Like you see, like his chief is like, I'd even do this. Like I wasn't even part of this. Like can you imagine? I I thought that was extreme, but I thought it was like really well done about like oh crap he really messed up you know facts no you're absolutely right i mean but you know what though honestly with this character like i know you really like him i'm not sure about him yet i don't know if i can i haven't connected with him yet i don't really know his motivation i know he's like a boy scout within i guess that organization i feel like he's kind of sketchy that's just me yeah he he definitely has uh, like like he keeps saying he he could turn and go and turn good, but I could also easily see him basically, you know, uh, doing a double cross on Cassian at some point in the series, being like, hey, I can help you, and then boom, turn him to the Empire or something. Like, you know, because, you know, I could see, you, you know, you mentioned, Chris, about uh, him, like, being into justice and following thing, you know, wanting the right thing done. I could see him viewing wanting justice as in, like, wiping out the rebels you know eventually doing it that way versus like just becoming a good guy like because i mean let's be real here guys like from the empire's warped point of view like they're they're doing the right thing in their mind so like so like i could see karn end up being like you know an up-and-coming imperial officer at some point i don't i know no, no. i think it's the opposite i think he's blacklisted there's no way they're gonna let this guy join the ranks of the empire because they already see him fail so bad i think he's feeling remorse for his intent because we've seen how much he was with his his co-workers like that's why he was doing it. he was sticking up for his co-workers he was trying to do the right thing and now these freaking jerks came in and just basically got everybody's jobs like got rid of them and now they're all unemployed so I think at this point he's just like screw the empire. Like I don't want to deal with these people anymore. Oh you know? yeah, that's true. you know. So it could go either right. way. Though. It could go either way. But if like I think if anything, he's like screw the empire at this point. Oh yeah, I think. Well, I think we're gonna. I mean, we're obviously gonna get plenty more of him. I do think though, um, we're gonna see plenty more. Also, maybe not as much, of course. But I think we will for sure see more of that imperial girl that got a talking to you know in the meeting i think i think we'll see plenty more of her as well in the series just because like it seems like say if he goes the the turning route i could see like i could see a lot of these these people turning good like him potentially her like you know these type of characters and yeah you know like we uh mentioned a little bit ago uh, um i think milton brought it up like you know that girl is like she was really pushing hard on like the the rebellion stuff like you know more than maybe potentially what would be in a normal conversation for the empire at that time yeah and you know for as many new characters we got in this episode we got a bunch of characters uh, that we didn't get to meet back up with we didn't catch up with marva we didn't catch up with bix we didn't catch up with with a lot of those villagers back on uh or any of the villagers back on ferrix I think we're going to get very um, much on an, an analogous kind of thing with, with uh, Star Wars Rebels, right? Star Wars Rebels, you know, there's some Empire presence, and eventually they buckled down. There's Empire everywhere. I think what's going to happen is we're going to get, like, a call from Bix to Luthien after Andor finishes this mission with those guys, and they're going to have to go back to Ferrix and try to, like, 
basically liberated as best they can. So I'm thinking that, you know, we're going to get something with uh, Damer or whatever her name is. Uh, I have it written down somewhere um, of the ISB officer. So I'm looking for Deirdre, Deirdre. I'm looking forward to yep. just going to see what's happening with Ferrix because right now that was, you know, it's a 45. I, I did, first of all, I liked how the length was like 42 minutes long <laughs> without credits. That's pretty yeah. cool. Um, hopefully that's a, a reoccurring thing. But it's it's interesting because uh, like Rings of Power, like certain episodes, you don't get certain characters at all. And then the next episode you revisit them because they have such a large cast at this point. So yeah, we'll be interesting to see like the ramifications of the Corpo is no longer in power, and then the Empire going down and really putting their boot down on the people. Um, and are they going to be? And now are the villagers also going to be mad at Cassian because they're like, "Well, this guy freaking screwed us over, and now we're all now we're living in you know this tyranny more than we had before." Because the, the 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 corpos weren't even really on there patrolling, like that was under their their control, but they never had problems until Cassian Andor, and he already had problems, mind you, with all these other villagers owing these guys money or this guy's money, and now it's gonna be like, well, this freaking jerk caused the empire to come down, and now we're basically almost slaves. So I'm really looking forward to seeing how all that plays out. Hopefully, in the next couple episodes. Yeah, I mean, I th I think we'll get that eventual payoff. Um, yeah, I I just I just hope moving forward, <clears throat> the story becomes more clear. I mean, obviously we know how it should end in the sense of like leading up to Rogue One film, but it's like I just wish um, things would just get more clear within this linear storyline they're trying to tell. Yeah, Ben. Oh yeah, like like for me, I think uh, I think when it comes to like the build-up for the next one, I think, uh, you, you know, you raise a good point there, Milton. Like, you know, we have, we don't have a perf crystal clear perfect story just yet, I don't think. I honestly think we're, we're more in a show, like, like, like so far, like what we've seen so far, just, there's just the first four episodes. I think it's more of a, like character type show. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. It's 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 not a show about there's no set story just yet. It's more of a show about like building you, you know, Cassie's yeah, yeah, character yeah, yeah. arc. Yeah, mm -hmm. like I, I think it's more that than story, in my opinion. And which which isn't isn't amazing because you know, you want a story you, you want that character developing through an intriguing story is my is my uh I think issue with the series so far because it's like you know what story are we telling you know some of the some of the parts are really interesting with the empire with with these characters and stuff but you know then we keep then we keep cutting back to the Cassian parts and it literally feels like just like character moments where it's like oh Cassian has to witness this oh Cassian has to learn to trust this person oh Cassian has to do that like you know it's more of like a character building series than an actual series with a story so far, in in my opinion. Yeah, and I think that we're gonna get maybe more of that. If you look at season two, right, it's like if you're only getting like three episodes per year of his life, essentially, it's gonna be harder to have a through line with a story if it's gonna be you know speeding up every year. I mean, 
you look at we keep making references house of dragons is doing that pretty well though like every episode it's either like jumping a year three years or 10 years even but they still are yeah. dealing with the same overall plot at that point of like getting who's going to be the heir to the throne and all that sort of thing whereas this yeah. we kind of already know the end game it's like okay eventually he's going to get the, the plants to the death star and we know that the last episode of andor episode 24 or whatever season two episode 12 is going to be like five minutes before he, met, he meets tivik on uh whatever junk moon thing that was that he went to the ring of caffeine ring of caffeine we'll probably see him like landing on the ring of caffeine and it's like well we know where this goes you know um so i think we just gotta acknowledge that this is maybe the story we have but maybe not i think that if anything this first season is gonna be a lot more it's got it's got to be a lot tighter than this next season when everything's in one once you know linear time of of year um I'm wondering if we're going to get any more flashbacks because I feel like that could be something worthwhile. Seeing him like on Ferrex with Marva and how he takes the name of his of his of his father or his adopted father of Clem um, was kind of cool. Was kind of a cool character beat where it's like, okay, he really respected that guy apparently for using his name. You know, I did notice that. That was pretty interesting too. Oh yeah, that that was an. Um... You know, nice little nod to that character. And, uh, yeah, like you said, I feel like we're going to be getting maybe more flashbacks with, with his, uh, you know, with him on his, uh, like, the prior times back then. And it's just, uh, I don't know, a lot of this stuff to me with the show so far, it's like we we kind of have an idea. I mean, obviously, obviously we know where the show goes, like where it ends, ends, but for the character. But, like, I feel like it's just kind of we're, we're just kind of like like it's like wandering through a cave with your eyes closed or something like you know like we're moving along we're moving along it's just more like all right um you know we got some we got some dialogue some stuff with mon mothma that's great and all we got some stuff going on with cassian that's great and all but what is what's the big thing going on because this is the thing you know um even looking at like kenobi for example so kenobi we had obviously the threat of Leia getting getting taken or Kenobi getting discovered, and that was like a hook for the series, a hook for us. Um, and then Book of Boba Fett, like that show, that show had suffering points because it dragged, it dragged, it dragged. They tried to turn it into a character study when there should have been more action. And then like then you have shows like The Mandalorian season one and season two. I mean, you were getting hooked. See almost episode to episode, I feel like, you know, we, we talk about how, like, House of the Dragon, you know, has a hook at the end of every episode. Mando is like that for the most part. Every single episode of Mando, you end it, you're like, man, I'm ready for next week. Like, this show's uh, damn good. Uh, I disagree. So, so, so that's, that's, that's the thing <laughs> with, with the Mandalorian, I feel like, uh, succeeded really well on was, you know, there was a there lot was of... Hooks, a lot of there was a and, lot of episodes in Mando where they just ended up on the ship, and it was like, okay, that was the adventure of the week. There were a lot of those. Oh, 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 yeah, no, one hundred percent. But but this is the difference. I feel like you may end up on the ship, but those episodes were so good, so intriguing, it made you want to watch the next one, even without a cliffhanger. If if you know what I'm saying, like you know what I mean, like there's no cliffhanger per se on a lot of the Mando episodes, but they're so good and so engaging 
I feel like it covers up no cliffhanger. Like, I, I don't think this show, like, this show, in my opinion, if they would have released episode by episode, it would have got torn to shreds for the first three. Like, if you would have released episodes one, two, and three, three weeks back to back, people would have been shredding it. But since, you know, we're getting a three episode premiere, it helped it a lot. Yeah. And, um, and I, and I think that's a big, big thing. And then like, you know, it, it's just so hard to compare, uh, this show to like other shows at the moment, just because like I said, a lot of the directions kind of unclear and it's, it's such a high standard to compare to. Cause like, you know, we, we earlier we were, when we opened the podcast, we were talking about empire strikes back, you know, a lot of people may not have that as their favorite star Wars movie of all time, but objectively that's arguably a top 10 movie all time period. So like, you know, there's a difference there. And, like, for me, man, like, comparing Mando to, to like, this show, it's like comparing Game of Thrones to a startup show. Like, you, you it's just no comparison, because, like, Mando's already made its cultural, like, impact, and this show has not done that yet. Yeah, well, here's the thing, here's the thing. There's a difference between a culture impact and a show that does a little bit more, as far as, like... If I were to look at this and grade this, I would say that this is a better television series from the aspect of writing, from the aspect of dialogue, of the acting, of a lot of the cinematography, I think, is in some cases better than than Mando. I think where people get caught up on is Mando is just like so popular that people automatically gravitate towards that because, yeah, there's a lot of action, a lot of whiz-bang stuff happening. Um but I, I think Andor is actually there's there's certain things like they're not as separated as I think you could think. Yeah, Mandalorian like pioneered a lot of things. They pioneered puppetry. They pioneered this and that, which is Star Wars is known for, and Star Wars has been known for that forever. But Andor is actually out there trying to do something that's more along the lines of a of a contemporary drama in the Star Wars universe um, with really good talent and attention to detail and it causes the viewers to actually think in a different way that a lot of the Star Wars viewers haven't in the past. And that's being uh, patient with uh, characters and plot lines, you know, taking a little bit longer than than what we're used to. And I think it is a little bit of whiplash um, for a lot of us because it's just something we're not used to. But I think in the long run, when we look back at this, we're going to be like, that was a damn good Star Wars show that was unique and it really pushed the boundaries um, of things in the future. And and another thing too is we're looking at everything as like a six episode series. This thing's double the length of like half these shows. So where I think a lot of us are having problems is we're like in the back of our mind, we're maybe thinking it's like only like eight episodes long, but this show does have a little bit more room to kind of grow. And I know still it's like, well, you don't really need to have slow episodes every week, but they can afford to do that a little bit more than Book of Boba Fett that had what like seven episodes. So yeah, you got to compare if you're going to compare that too, then you got to kind of look at that as well. At least just with the Star Wars stuff, anyway. Oh, oh yeah. I mean, that's a fair comparison to like bring up. Obviously, like we're not. You know, if we were four episodes into Mando, that'd be halfway through the season. Right now, we're only thirty percent of the way through the season. So like that's obviously um, a good point there. Like, my thing with it, I just think, um, I don't know, a lot of that stuff as well just begs the question, like, 
do we need do we need a more serious or more TV serious type show in Star Wars? Because look, look what's worked. Like, you know, for the most part, like say, um, you know, obviously Mando worked. Mando worked great. And then Book of Boba, you try to do like a slow character burn and that didn't work at all because, you know, you they messed up the character and it was, it was really slow and, and a lot of the episodes were really slow for that matter. And then um, Kenobi turned out to be pretty good. Well, yeah, yeah, I don't or, think the Boba Fett, good, no, no, no. The, the Boba Fett episodes weren't slow. They just we we didn't get the character to motivation that we wanted from Boba Fett. It was yeah. just kind of like, what's going on here? There was plenty of action in Boba Fett. I'll, I'll tell you guys right now. It's just well, and that the, the opposite is happening here. We're getting so much character work. It's it's fantastic. But yes, and it's because of that that we're not seeing as much action because we're getting more more of well, that right now. I think, uh, I think. Well, I mean, that, that that's a true point. I think, though, the thing is with with these shows, like I said, it, it's so hard to compare with Mando, just because you know Mando's such a huge hit. Because, like, I would be you know willing to bet, like, you know, sure, Andor is going to be getting its its publicity right now. But when Mando comes back in spring, that's all that's going to be talked about, like on the internet. You know, that's all we're going to see people discussing or trending even on social media is is mando baby yoda uh stuff like that and uh you know that show is successful because of that and i feel like this show hasn't broke that ground yet like mando obviously broke ground it was the first big star wars show it was the first star wars show on disney plus it was the first thing to draw people into disney plus but i think um like so far, Andor hasn't broke the ground yet. Of like, oh man, like we gotta tune into Andor every week, you know? Like, like because I just don't think there's as much buzz as there would be with like Mando or even you know uh, stuff like that. Just because it's 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 a side character or he's a side character, and it's just the whole. I don't know. I feel I feel like you know we're four episodes in, so it's hard to. It's hard to project four episodes versus a two-season, multi-Emmy-winning show. So, like, that's that's um, that's a whole other thing as well. So it's just, uh, I, I I don't know. I feel like I'm I'm on a fine line here because Mando obviously has a lot of action, a lot of action. Every single episode has action for the most part, and this show doesn't. And like as I mentioned, I, you know, maybe this show. It turns out to be like where it's like, you know, we get to the end of it. And you you ask yourself, do we need this type of storytelling in Star Wars? And we may not, or we may. I mean, you know, it just it just comes down to the final bit of storytelling because, like, for example, like I've seen people talk about like the seriousness of like Game of Thrones and Star Wars and things like that. Um, you know, we don't need we don't need like nudity and sex scenes in Star Wars. I think. So, like, you know, like, that sort of stuff, like, I think there are certain things we don't need in Star Wars, and I think, you know, this show's kind of a wait and see, but if it's, like, if we go through 12 episodes and, like, nine of them are really character-heavy, it's like, do we need that, or do we need more of, more action in the show? Yep. Uh, going back to the early 2000s, George Lucas had, had, this show in mind basically i mean i can't quote that directly but 
he was developing a live action Star Wars Underworld show. Um, yeah. I don't know what was going to be in it, but for me, I look at this show as being the closest thing to probably maybe George Lucas's vision. If I could maybe go out on a limb and be like, yeah, there'd probably be like some slumming around in Coruscant and doing some stuff behind, you know, bars and stuff like that. So if George Lucas was maybe thinking about that, already then i would say yeah it's fair game if they want to try something like this that's kind of similar and heck they have all that stuff like the scripts maybe they borrowed some elements from that because it was in the same time period and not even looking at that but like disney didn't pay four billion dollars for the star wars license to not play around and try different things with it and right i think oh, it's great oh, yeah. to have variety oh, oh. yeah oh yeah Oh, I was, I was gonna say, I was yeah, just to say, like oh, throw out there. Uh, I'll, I'll just throw out there real quick. Like, yeah, of course they have. Like, you know, they can they can do whatever variety they want. You know, you can make a, a Star Wars comedy, but I I'm just saying, like, for Star Wars um, fans, obviously some fans really like this style of storytelling, which is great. Um, and my thing is though, I think a lot of Star Wars fans, you know, when you turn on especially what we've been conditioned to over the past few years with Disney plus with even take book of Boba Fett. When we get to the Mando episodes, everybody was buzzing about it. Everybody was buzzing. And like, you know, Mando conditioned even more for star Wars fans. I feel like, you know, star Wars storytelling is that like action high paced or fast paced, that sort of storytelling. And then like, like I honestly, I, I have a, I had a good comparison from one of my one of my good friends. He he was like my feeling on the his. This is what he was telling me. He said my feeling on this show is like this show feels more inside baseball, like inside baseball star for Star Wars fans, and like the general audience may be like, oh yeah, that's a fine show, but when's Mando coming back? Because it's like, you know, it it this shows more in the trenches for Star Wars fans, I feel like, than the general audience would be. And uh, that's okay. I mean, some of the best content yeah. in other fandoms that has come out has been the stuff that's been, like, under the radar. Some of the best movies you'll ever watch oh, are yeah. things that not everybody has seen because they're a lot more cerebral and stuff. I, I would just love the idea of, like, one of the best Star Wars things being like this. Like, why not go out on a limb and, and try not to, you know, try to make pave a new direction for star wars and give it that thing because like i know for a fact like there's a lot of friends that i would recommend to show that aren't star wars fans because they're like if they watch mando they're like yeah it's just like star wars and i'll be like hey this is andor and i'm sure that they're going to be like oh yeah this is more of what they're they're up to speed with the stuff they watch because you could take star you, it, like this thing stands so well on its own so far that you you don't even have to have the star wars label and it still would be compelling, um, for me at least, like up to this point. But it's, I mean, yeah, do you need it in Star Wars? Not really, but did we need Rogue One? And look how Rogue One was. I mean, there, there was, up until the, yeah, okay, up until the end, there was a, a lightsaber. And in that first half of the movie, there was a lot of just, like, random stuff that was happening um, that still ended up paying off without Jedis and Force and the usual Star Wars kind of things happening yeah i hear that but like the differences with that component is it was still about the rebellion like we saw a lot of elements that was very familiar to what the rebellion was from a new hope 
and, and you're right, that movie didn't need lightsabers. We only had one scene with a lightsaber, and that's just Vader wrecking people, which was dope. Um, but what I was going to say about storytelling with this type of Star Wars, we've honestly already seen this, but it's in another property. I don't know if you guys have seen the the, the that um, show called um, uh, Star, what's it called? Uh, Battlestar Galactica, the, the, okay. when they redid it like in uh-huh. the mid-2000s. Yep. That show was it was so good it reminds me of andor because they were oh. like were i mean they weren't forming a rebellion they were already in a war with the cylons but that particular remake was mm. a gritty version of what we were seeing i guess when that show was made back in the 70s oh. and seeing how battlestar galactica did it in that particular show if anyone's who's seen that show on sci-fi they did the same type of storytelling, a lot of character development, a lot of gritty storytelling, a lot of like you know backdoor politics stuff, mm-hmm. and 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 that's why I like that show so much. But I felt like I felt that their pacing and the way they are doing their storytelling is maybe a little bit better than what we're seeing now. Mm-hmm. Now again, we we're still getting there. The show is still barely fresh. Like people need to for, like remember that we're only four episodes in. I guarantee you by the time we get to episode eight, which will be a halfway through this, or I guess be two quarters in mm-hmm. the show, we're going to say, okay, we clearly see this direction. But I, I think we've seen this type of storytelling before with Battlestar Galactica. Okay. Battlestar Galactica, they did a really good job at telling that long version of a story. Um, but they did do a good job at their pacing. I think that's the difference. The pacing was was significantly improved at that time. Now again, that could change. With this show over the next couple episodes, but again, this show ain't trash. Let's be real here; like, it ain't trash. Oh no! I just hope people understand that. You no, know, yeah, I think it's taking us a little too long to get where we need to get to. I know it's twelve episodes; we're a quarter through the the season. Hopefully, this is now the second act of season two. It starts to pick up for us. Yeah, I think this well, is that, going to be. That's actually a, a good point. Oh. Go ahead. I was going to say, that's actually a good point, Milton. I think with the show, um, you know, maybe we're just in, we just finished the first act, you know, and now it's going to pick up more over the next uh, four episodes. Like, you know, we could have that, and that could change our opinions completely on the show. Like, my thing um, with it is, you know, we just want to, I, I just hope, I guess my hope for the show is, like, I hope, we we don't stretch out like you know longer like long-winded uh slow episodes just for the sake of hey we have 12 episodes to fill in time slots so let's stretch it out so like i guess that's my hope for it so like you know as as i mentioned though i think i think we are going to be moving more toward like the second act and uh, you know this is going to be kind of like the mission and you know uh over the next few episodes it'll be like the build-up of it yeah, I think this is going to be like probably the last like slower episode, just from the fact that we have all the elements that so far yeah. I know about. You got Mon Mothma that was introduced. You have all these like side characters that were introduced um, with, with Andor. We're on that planet, uh, and, and now we're going to get into the big battle next week. We're going to get this dinner meeting with all these dignitaries. Uh, Whatever is going to happen with Lucy, and maybe we'll check it with the people on Ferrix and like seeing how the Empire is really cranking down on. So I really think that next week, I think uh, I I sure hope that we're all in agreement that that episode is going to be freaking fantastic. And 
it's just we're dealing with the nascent rebellion, the early rebellion. There's going to be a little bit of a, of a buildup, and it's going to feel a little unfamiliar because it's in its establishing stages right now. Um, but I think we've said as enough as as we want to say, at least as I want to say about the episode. Unless you guys have other uh, points you want to make up, uh, I think we're going to start wrapping things up and give it our score out of ten. Yeah, let's do it. All right, I'll throw yeah. it to you first, Milton. Yeah, overall, um, overall, I thought this episode was was okay. Like, it, it wasn't trash. Like, let me just keep it real and say it that way. It wasn't trash. I actually liked a, a good majority of the episode. Like I said, I love the visuals. I love the Mon Mothma stuff. I love watching all the all the Empire stuff. I think I think this show and you know in a alternative universe could have been very much an Empire show. Um, so I think that's been very intriguing to me, seeing how all that uh, is coming through. So I, I, I feel like the Andor stuff, just with his character in particular, has kind of slowed down the show at times. I believe that will change. Um, but again, this episode wasn't garbage. It just I wish it was just slowed differently and the pacing was different. Um, if I had to score this out of 10, I think I gave last episode, the last three episodes... 7.5 out of 10. I think I, w- I would say the same thing for this one. 7.25 out of 10. So, All right. So we're holding steady. We're holding steady. I will go with my... Um, right off the top, my, my review has not changed. I've had a score on my mind basically since the beginning of us talking about this episode. I will say everything I said off the top in succinct order. I like the world building. I like the inclusion of Mon Mothma and the spy elements. Right, This is billed as a spy thriller. And it's been hitting that every episode, basically. We got a lot of that in that backdoor politics, as, as uh, Milton uh, put it. We got a little bit more out of Cassian Andor's backstory, so it's great that we're still peeling back layers. First, we found out he had a sister. Then we find out he, had, he was adopted. Now we found out he was a part of the Empire at one point, just like Han Solo. Like, who would have thought? So a lot of cool stuff happening there. And then seeing a new side of the Empire. Again, world-building, world-building, world-building... I don't know if anything in Star Wars besides maybe Mandalorian has been doing such a good job as this in terms of that. Getting a look at the ISB and seeing how, you know, it's so dog-eat-dog within the power structure of the Empire. It's just so fun to see. And all the performance of the characters, especially Luthien, uh, especially Stellan Skarsgård playing Luthien, fantastic. I'm going to give this one an 8 out of 10. I'm Really, really looking forward to next week. I think they did leave us with just enough to be like, okay, that's going to be what happens next week. I'm excited for it. So, yes, 8 out of 10. Oh, yeah. I think for me, I think the episode overall was fine. Wasn't bad. Wasn't great. I think it was just fine. Um, you know, for a lot of the reasons I mentioned throughout this episode, I think, you know, the a lot of the things we all universally agreed on, like the Mon Mothma stuff was interesting. The Imperial stuff was interesting. Um the uh, the Lucian stuff, like like a lot of the the funny thing is a lot of the new characters in Mon Mothma, I feel like so far have overshadowed Cassian. Actually, even though Diego Luna's acting's been great, I just feel like his character's been kind of kind of boring. Um, so like I'm you know of course his character's going to pick up in the coming episodes, um, which will really help him a lot. I think I think it will be. We'll have a um, interesting dynamic in the next episode with him in the rebel cell. I think that's a that's a 
part to look out for, I would say. And then, of course, the spy element that you mentioned. You know, you have Mon Mothma and Lucian, like, you know, putting on this show, like, acting, basically, and then, like, you know, whispering and sneaking around, and, you know, we find out she's the one writing the checks for the Rebels, which, man, like, she's writing the checks. That means she's raking in some big bucks, actually. Mm -hmm. Um, But, uh, but yeah, overall, I thought the episode was fine. I'm excited to see where it goes, and I feel like it's just a solid 7 out of 10. There you go. So we are still in that 7 to 9 range for our scores. Uh, looking back at last week's scores, uh, I think you guys gave it like a 7, 7.5. I gave it a 9 last week for the premiere. So yeah, we're still high on the show. Um, I think still our average score is higher than Obi-Wan and Boba Fett going into this uh, fifth episode that we'll be talking about in two weeks' time. Yeah, that's right. You guys can't hear us banter for another two weeks because like I said off top, I'll be at New York Comic Con next week. I'll still be putting out content, so just stay tuned oh, to the thing, YouTube Chris. channel. Oh, yeah, go ahead. Well, one thing. Um, actually, you know, a uh, thing for our listeners as well. Keep in mind, we're going to be reviewing two episodes by the time the next episode comes out. We'll be re- reviewing episode five and six. Oh, yes. So at that point, we'll be halfway through the season, so I think it'll be a pretty good idea of, all right, is this is this what we're hoping for? Potential is it fulfilled? It took six episodes out of the eight for Rings of Power to f- uh, get its full potential for me. So it's not it's not ever too late to go past the halfway mark, but you certainly <laughs> don't want to have to wait through most of the series to get there. So we shall see how that goes again. I'll be breaking down the different book panels next week at New York Comic Con. Uh, so just stick to my Twitter. I'll be doing a live, a live tweet. Um, because I don't know if anybody else that I'm familiar with is doing it. So, hey, I'll be doing it myself. Um, so look at Twitter here, Star Raptor. Find that there. Um, what are you guys going to be up to in the next couple weeks? And where can I find you? Nope. Er. Ben? All right, well, oh, I, I, I was okay. muted. Well, just the look on Milton's face, I, I thought he was about to talk, so I was like, all right, I'm just waiting, waiting, waiting. Nope, I was muted. I'm <laughs> but, uh, not, I would say this weekend, yeah, we're live, people. Um, no, this weekend, just uh, football, dude. It's, it's uh, yeah. you know, week four of the NFL. I know I'm going to watch some college football on Saturday. I relax, have a relaxing Saturday and get a workout in. Sunday, my Eagles are going for 4-0. Let's go. We're nice. Jalen Hurts, all in. Um, you can find me on Twitter at MiltonWeber7 or Instagram at Milton7Weber. All right. There you go. Ben? Good stuff. Good stuff. Um, for me, I mean, I'm pretty similar. I You can find me. I mean, I, I'm pretty much just going to be watching the NFL this weekend, of course. There's the Browns hopefully go to 3-1. and one. We're having a good season even without our starting quarterback, so that's been nice so I far. I said it. I nope. said your team's actually good. And if you hold out until he's back, you're going to make the playoffs. Well, the thing is, I mean, I mean, to do a super quick, super quick NFL discussion. Um, if Jacoby Brissett doesn't turn the ball over for us, I don't see why we can't win games because Nick, you know, Nick Chubb runs the ball well. Our defense plays well. I think we can hang in there and win games without him. So um, I'm excited to see where the Browns go this year. And then, you know, I'm pretty much just going to be watching the NFL, talking to you guys, of course, about about Star Wars and whatever other shows we're watching. I I think I'm going to rent the movie 
nope this weekend, um, either this weekend or this coming week, um, because I really want to see that movie. I've heard a lot of good things about nope, um, mm-hmm. and I'm super interested in it just because I heard like there's like I don't know there's a lot of like a or, um, alien type stuff in it, so I'm I'm super interested to check out that movie. Oh. And then the new season of You is coming out soon, which is really exciting because that's a great show on Netflix if anybody's ever watched it. So yeah, I'm just going to be checking out these new shows and movies, um, watching football, lifting weights as always. And you know, you can find me talking about all this stuff on Twitter at Real Ben Maynard, and then you can find me on Instagram at Real Ben Maynard as well. And I'm just like kind of documenting, you know, me just working out and like working on like the process it takes to like get shredded because it's take you know it takes like six seven months to get down to like 10 percent body fat and you know we're just slowly dieting Mm-hmm. yeah keep on fighting a good fight consistency and a plan is how you succeed man so just keep winning <laughs> yeah all right so uh once again uh we'll see you'll you'll watch us and you'll hear us t- in two weeks time um but for Milton, for Ben, for Aaron, for Tim Sheets, for Lofi, everybody that was involved in the chat room, you can subscribe to the YouTube channel, youtube.com slash Starraptor for more on this channel. Keep an eye on the feeds, the Twitter feeds for some updates throughout the week, throughout the next two weeks. Um, and until next time, may the force be with you always and transmission. <laughs>